Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. <laughs> All right, we just Why? wrapped up Noir-vember, which I didn't get too into this year. I, I watched only a handful of Noirs, um, but not as many as I anticipated. Um, but we are going to close out this year uh, discussing each of our best first-time watches. I know a lot of people call these discoveries, but basically these are just movies that are new to us that weren't released this year. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I I do have a couple movies that are now all-time favorites that I would definitely say are in my top 3,000. Did you guys <laughs> did you guys see anything that you'd put <laughs> in your top 3,000? Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, well, Body wow. Heat, that made your top 150, right, John? I, it did, but I can't, I cannot discuss that again so that's not getting picked next week but um yeah yeah top 150 for that one for sure i think my picks for next week are both going to be top 500s okay so top 3000 for sure top 3000 is that a thing (laughs) it is today right does anyone have that there must be someone out there who has like a top i've never seen more than 1000 but i guess no I, i have seen 2000 actually which is Oof. insane. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, that's too much work. Uh, I, I also agree with the philosophy that I've heard. Um, I think it's Frank on Film Junk says it. Uh, like, you can't put anything in a top list that's a 3.5 or less. It just doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. I agree. I don't like it. I won't do it. Yeah. Just do, like, if I don't have enough for a top 10, it'll be a top whatever number... It is, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just filling up space. But uh, yeah, yeah, now, yeah Ma- definitely top three thousand. <laughs> Max, now, now Dune, that might be in your top three, right? It's, it's definitely in your top three thousand. I think his top top three is a uh, Dune first watch, Dune second watch, Dune third watch. Yeah, I that would be the dream if I could just <laughs> if I could just cement that in there, just list it three times. <laughs> I might do some. Re- maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll email Letterboxd, ask them for some special permissions there. I've never tried. Maybe maybe you could. No, probably not. Yeah, not, I don't know. But it's it's firmly firmly in the top one hundred. That's that much is true. Mm. Wow, nice. All right. Well, this week we're going to be reviewing two of my favorite first time watches from the year, and they are now. I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt this name. I believe it's on Andre. Is it Vajas? Vaja? Uh, oh, I was ready to say this name, and then I kind of forgot. Uh, it is uh, Vajda. Uh, no, Vajda. I think, it's definitely Vaj. Mm. Mm. We need some. We need some experts weighing in. We'll just go with Vajda. Vajda. Yeah, I think it's Vajda. All right, his uh, uh, movie Canal. Uh, from 1957, and then uh, Kihachi Akimoto's The Sword of Doom, which was released in 1966. And these are two light, charming movies with likable characters and happy endings, right? Breezy. Yeah. Extremely Very breezy. breezy. <laughs> Easy watches. <laughs> All right, but before we get into our main reviews, let's talk about what we've been watching recently, and let's start with Max. I uh, actually had a pretty great noir November. Um, thanks to uh, the Criterion Channel, um, I, I've I've gone through most of their Fox Noir 
um, collection, but some standouts were definitely um, Black Widow. I liked that one. Um, I don't know what it is about like a Technicolor noir, um, but it, it's, it's just interesting to watch. But it was it was a good story. It it was entertaining. Um, it kind of again keeps you just plugged in and trying to figure out you know what's going on here and what's happening. It's got Gene Tierney, so you can't go wrong there. Um, I like the lead too. I, I hadn't seen him before in anything. Van Van Heflin. Um, oh yeah. Uh, which he was in Shane, which I had seen before. Oh, and the Strange Love of Martha Ivers, little Stanwyck. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but I just, I you know, I never put him two and two together there. So he was a he was a good lead, and uh, that was Black Widow. What else did I watch? Um, I did watch Personal Shopper, which I don't know what led me to watch that, but I know Hunter, you really enjoyed that one. Um, I love Personal Shopper. It was a, uh, I think it was a morning just Hulu browse, and I was like, ah, I've been meaning to watch this. But yeah, I not you know again wasn't what I expected. Um, I, I I love the blending of of the use of tech with kind of the supernatural um, and and Kristen Stewart. I think just I don't know she gets a bad rap and. I it, it maybe she doesn't anymore, but obviously you know, Twilight kind of took her down a notch um, in terms of, of respect as an actress or actor. But yeah, this was a this was a, this was a good one. I liked that a lot. Um, and then we <laughs> we uh, Jenny and I we 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 watched Mean Girls um, from two thousand four, and I have to say that that it, it held up pretty well. So. Bit of an up and down uh, week here of watches, but um, yeah, Mean Girls, two thousand four. So that's I think that's it for me. Um, nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, John. What have you been watching? Yeah, I would like to rewatch Mean Girls actually, and uh, it's fun. It's been a while. I really enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, I think I think I'm due for a rewatch. I didn't really watch that much. Noir, personally, and I wish I had. Um, I was so committed to horror in October, and I guess haven't watched a lot of movies in general in November. Uh, so I might not need. To, I might need to make it a noir December as well. Although I'll be watching Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck at some point. Mm, for classic. Sure. Oh, it's not, it's not, is that not? Oh, okay. I was, I was worried that mm, was a bad mm, and. Oh uh, no, no, never a bad. So I uh, watched the t- I finished the TV show Squid Game. That took up a lot of my time, and I enjoyed that. I know we're not discussing TV shows, but it was, you know, I did rate it. <laughs> it was a wild one. Um, I watched a, um, a movie by, it's kind of, he's kind of the, he's kind of called the French Alfred Hitchcock, Claude Chabral. I watched a lesser known of his called Masks from 1987 um really enjoyable i really like claude chabral movies in general there's kind of a um cozy watch for me there's usually like some kind of murder mystery it's very like um upper class are doing something wrong and you know i don't know it's just like i wouldn't say it's light because there's usually murder involved but it's kind of 
Um, I don't know. It's not soap opera-y. It's just easy to watch. Um, there's some suspense, but it's not super stressful. Um, usually there's some surprises you don't see coming. You kind of get lured into this. You're kind of just like watching these characters do their upper class things. And then like you get taken by surprise a lot of the time. And usually he usually gets some good performances. Um, and, uh, the, the one guy who gets, winds up getting exposed, he does this really great breakdown at the end. Um, it was like a really fun three and a half star. Uh, I hate to say this other movie I watched, but I did watch the French Dispatch and enjoy it. <laughs> I know yeah, you guys I didn't like it. I figured we'd talk about that uh, together. <laughs> yeah. should, should we do it now? Sure. Just get it out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, John, yeah. go go ahead and just tell us your feelings. I mean, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, so I'm sure I'm more forgiving than most. Um, I just enjoy what he does. I love a sense of humor. In this film, I really liked a lot of the stuff he did um, with color and just like there's so much technique and like there's so much detail, which is pretty much an Anderson thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's his best, but um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I wanted to enjoy it. My friend went with me who's a pretty harsh critic and she enjoyed it but i know it's like it feels like a polarizing film just based on the style it's almost more like a book that you're watching on screen or like a magazine or a newspaper than a film and it's not really necessarily plot or character driven as far as like um there's not a lot of character development uh, which is something that also is symptomatic of an anthology type movie, but, um, I really love Jeffrey Wright. I want to see more Jeffrey Wright stuff. He's so fun for me to watch on screen. I really liked his performance. I thought the first story was definitely the strongest. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm just really, I, I haven't had a Wes Anderson experience. I did not like, except for, the first time I saw Moonrise Kingdom, I was on a date with someone, and I was not enjoying the date. We were like dating, but it was just like a, we were just in a bad, bad, bad zone at the time, and I did not enjoy the movie at the time. And then I watched it again and gave it five stars. So it definitely lets me know that movies are can be situational, like based on what's going on in your life, or who you're with, or when you're watching, as far as to how much you get out of it. But uh, I had a fun time with it, honestly. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, I know you guys are like not liking it. I'm curious to know exactly why you had such bad experiences. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Max, you want to go first? Hey, you know, it may have been the best 108 <laughs> minute nap I've ever had. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just kidding. No, I I mean. It's one of those things, like, I mean, Jenny, um, my wife, you know, she she enjoys um, most of Wes Anderson's filmography and, and is a big fan. And, and so, you know, she, she was the one that kind of spearheaded this outing of, you know, let's finally go see this movie. It, it, it was a, a later showing. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what it was. If it, if it was the anthology structure, um, you know, really not going anywhere um and i yeah it is like i i said this earlier it's like it's like it kind of felt like going to a restaurant that you know that you usually like really like going to 
and then that 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 one meal just being really bad and it's extra disappointing because it's always been usually really good whereas you know you, you go to burger king you know what to expect it's like yeah this is godzilla versus kong so you know i'm i'm, I'm not disappointed <laughs> Uh, this this right. is what I anticipated, but this one was like oh, I've always enjoyed these, and uh, yeah, I, I think just the meandering, um, not really sure like what like what is it that I'm watching, um, and I agree like the style of it, you know, I I, I thought that that was interesting and, and the use of color and, um, but. Even still, I mean, we, you know, we—it's uh, a more recent watch as well. But we, you know, we just saw Belfast, um, also filmed in black and white, and also uses color, and in that use of color, um, you know, it served the purpose to kind of show how movies um, can serve as an escape for, like, especially young kids who are living in times of strife. Um, and so, like, you know, this black and white kind of, you know, bleak picture, you know, real life um, with these moments of, you know, fantasy that are in, you know, this vivid color um, just benefited the story. And I don't know, I, I just didn't get that watching The French Dispatch. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was just kind of a bummer. And I thought I was harsh with a 2.5. <laughs> and, and then I saw Hunter's rating, so... <laughs> We'll, we'll segue over into his experience. Yeah, and I now I don't want to trash this movie too much because it, it's it's really just not for me. I, I've only enjoyed a couple Wes Anderson movies. I, I but I haven't revisited those movies in a long time. I used to love the Royal Tenenbaums and uh, oh, what's the other one? Good Lord. Rushmore. Oh, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, okay. Now, Rushmore, I've only seen once. And it was a movie I started at three in the morning. Mm, mm-hmm. And the people I was watching it with, like, nobody laughed. I, I felt like everybody wanted to go to bed. <laughs> like, like, no one was into it. I think so I, I kind of feel story like, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I need to rewatch Rushmore just because I didn't really give it, you know, very much attention. Kind of everything. Well, I don't remember liking uh, the Life Aquatic very much, but starting with Darjeeling Limited is where I really started to lose interest in Wes Anderson's movies. Yeah. Um, his style. Um, I I guess like as a visual artist, I I do appreciate him, but his style's grown kind of tired to me. I I don't love the quirkiness of the characters or you know the the way he directs actors i mean everyone is super deadpan and uh i actually think that's why royal tenenbaums is would probably still be my favorite is because i mean i know like he and gene hackman hated working together but i think he couldn't direct gene hackman the way he could the other actors and that's why i think it's probably probably my favorite performance in a wes anderson movie um, but yeah, I'm just kind of tired of his production design and his costuming, his obsession with symmetry, like things having to be in the center of the frame. It just doesn't thrill me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I never laughed. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I mean, if I had seen this by myself, I think I would have walked out. The animation, it, uh, I wasn't a fan of, and it's a shame because I, I, he's obviously like a, a talented director, um, and he has a unique vision. But I don't know. I can't think of any other director with his power. I guess. Because he obviously has complete control over everything. Like, right. I can't think of any other filmmaker who I'd be more curious to see kind of forced to be more collaborative or even, I don't know, even just see him relinquish some control. Like, I mean, he would never do this, but I would love to see him do like an action movie or even a musical, which I could see him doing a musical, something with choreography. Like I think he would work great with, you know, with choreographed scenes. I think this was supposed to be a musical originally, this movie. Hmm. Yeah. I remember seeing that it was supposed to be a musical, but yeah, I don't know. It just never, I was just never into it. Yeah. It just wasn't, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Definitely feels more, like I said, polarizing or just like specific to certain people would get more out of it than like a, than. I don't know. It it just even feels more. Um, just less welcoming than some of his other films. Even I don't know because it's just more. Yeah. Um, even more reliant on visual than. Um, dialogue or performances. I will say, yeah. It's like the characters are like part of the visual medium as opposed to um, interacting in it. Yeah. Mm, That's a good point. Right? This came out just now. (laughs) This came out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) What were we going to say, Max? Oh, I said, uh, to be fair, though, I I think, you know, Desert Island, I would watch this infinitely over Tatane. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. If I, gun to, gun to my head, I, I would go with the French Dispatch. I do feel re-watch. like a movie like this could benefit from rewatches because there's so much going on. Um, I'm not saying, like, if, if someone's, like, lukewarm on it, they might grow to like it more um someone doesn't like it at all it's not for them then probably not but i could see someone getting more out of it on the second or third watch as opposed to a first watch because sometimes you're kind of trying to keep up with you know there's a lot going on at the same time but that's kind of a lot of films that are more complex visually you miss stuff the first time and once you don't worry about the plot it just opens things up for you so yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know but if it's yeah. not for you already, like you, Hunter, like I can't see. We won't make you watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> I just don't think I can. I did rewatch um, Dying Darko years later after I gave it like a one or one and a half, and I gave it like a three and a half. So, yeah, it's something. But that's right, did you did you watch anything else, John? Uh, I watched King of New York. Based on your recommendation, I really enjoyed it. Walken's great, maybe amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome. amazing. Um, I really hadn't seen Lawrence Fishburne the way he is in this movie. I've seen him like later 
where he's more like serious. And it was great mm-hmm. to see him just like kind of crazy and like young and wild. Um, the direction of this film is really good. Uh, I really it was a, it was a fun one. I, I I gave it I think I gave it a four point two five yeah four point two five. Um, it's in my top five hundred. Um, any movie in New York, I'm probably interested in because I grew up there. But it was a really good one. Uh, definitely a great recommendation. And um, are we calling that a? Is that in the? It's in the New York Criterion series, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's on the Criterion Channel. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Um, it's in my top three thousand for sure. There, there's a great showdown towards the end. And where some guy says to Walken, um, you can't hide behind her forever. And he goes, I don't need to, and shoots him. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Walken's really, he's really at his, like, it's one of his best performances I've seen in this one. Yeah. Really interesting. He makes such interesting, there's a scene where he's washing his hair, where he makes a great choice. He's like, really gets into like, Massaging his scalp, it's fascinating. He's just great to watch. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think that I didn't really watch much else this week that's worth mentioning. So nice. Cool. I watched quite a bit. Um I won't I'll try not to spend too much time on him, but I watched the uh Spike Lee movie He Got Game, starring Denzel Washington. And uh and I, I liked it a lot. I thought that the direction was amazing. And, and it might be my favorite Denzel Washington performance. He's awesome in it. Some of the other cast isn't isn't quite on the same level as uh, Denzel Washington. Um, Ray Allen is actually, he plays like the young high school basketball player in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Jesus Child of the Worth. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not... Um, I was kind of expecting the worst, but he's not bad in it. Um, and originally they wanted Kobe Bryant to uh, to do the role, but Kobe Bryant turned it down because he wanted to focus on getting better at basketball. But I really liked it a lot. It's um, and it's streaming on on HBO Max. Um, yeah, definitely recommend it, especially for Denzel. It, he's amazing. Um, and then I watched some new releases. I watched uh, Pig, starring Nicolas Cage. We want to see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. It was not really what I was expecting. I hadn't seen any trailers or anything, but... Um, Does he say, pig? <laughs> <laughs> he might. But it, it, it's a pretty quiet movie, and it's a pretty... I don't know if it's a naturalistic performance, but it's definitely not... Yeah, there's no um, cage rage, or whatever they call it. <laughs> In this movie, it's a more restrained performance, but like vampires like, kiss. <laughs> yeah, there's no vampires kiss. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I did enjoy it. And then um, another new release I saw was Spencer, directed by Pablo Lorraine and starring Kristen Stewart. And I've I've only seen I think I've only seen ten movies this year. So the French Dispatch is actually in my top ten for the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think Spencer is probably my favorite movie oh, I've seen nice. this year. Wow. Yeah. I, I love the direction, and I love Johnny Greenwood's score. Uh, and I, in general, I, I usually you know, love his scores. And, and then the movie kind of has 
I wouldn't say it's a horror movie. Some people say that it is, but I, I, I do think it has the style and tone of a horror movie. I mean, it could almost be about, you know, like a, someone who's trying to like leave a, a cult. Yeah. But it's a, I thought it was really cool. Um, and uh, I think I gave it a, a 4.5. I, yeah, Spencer is on the list still. I, I want to see it before um, it leaves. Yeah, me too. Leaves theaters. Obviously, a home, home, home theater will do just fine. But yeah, I, I'm interested um, to check that out. Because I, I, cause that, was, that was the director of Jackie as well, I think. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. Which I, which really I need love. to borrow from you. You do, yeah. I... Yeah. I don't know what it is about that movie, um, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think I've watched it at least twice. Um, but it's, I mean, it's the music, it's the performance. I think once you get past Natalie Portman's Boston accent, um, it's, it's a, it's a rush. So I, yeah, Spencer, Spencer's on the list. Cool, and then um, I also I rewatched uh, the Beastmaster. This is my first time watching the Vinegar Syndrome 4K, and it it looks amazing. And I I actually I love the movie. Um, I could have given it a, a four point five, and I, I I don't know why I gave it a four, um, <laughs> but it has awesome stunts and and scenes involving like real animals that are just incredible I, oh. i'm amazed everyone survived this production <laughs> um i know the director i think he wanted to use i might have this i think i have this right i think he wanted to use a panther um but i guess panthers are like notoriously hard to work with <laughs> and sounds so, about right <laughs> yeah and so instead they use a tiger and they just dyed the tiger's fur black but Whoa. when the tiger would drink water, the the uh, water would like rinse the dye out, so you can see his stripes sometimes. Mm. It's a really cool movie. I'm amazed at how comfortable the actors are with being around a tiger. And there's a uh, a scene with a real bear too, where um, you're just amazed <laughs> that on a movie that doesn't have that large of a budget, that these people are willing to like you get so close to a bear. I mean, there's a scene where a a bear, like a guy is like basically hugging this real bear. And it's just like, man, (laughs) that that would just be so scary. But there's also these amazing creatures that they're like the size of, well, I guess they're like really tall people, but they have, they kind of have like bat wings and they wrap their wings around people and the people, all that's left of them is their bones afterwards. Mm. It, it's got some kind of like horror imagery and Don Cascarelli directed it and he directed uh, Phantasm uh, before the Beastmaster. So it kind of makes sense that it would have some horror aesthetic, I guess. But, um, and also it was shot by John Alcott and he, he directed oh, wow. The Shining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh no, he didn't direct The Shining. Good lord. He, he was the, he was the cinematographer on The Shining and Clockwork Orange and Barry Lyndon. It's a really fun movie. I mean, it's don't go in expecting you know De Niro uh, level performances. I mean, the you know, they're definitely the the lead actor, Mark is it, is it Mark Singer? 
think it's Mark Singer. That sounds right. I've yeah. never seen it, but I definitely want to see it now. <laughs> yeah, it's Mark Singer. Okay. He's kind of like... He's maybe on Mark Hamill's level, <laughs> like like um, <laughs> from Star Wars A New Hope. Like, not the most charismatic guy, but... I don't know. I, I think it's really fun. I think it's a pretty cool movie. You know what? Alcott did Terror Train. I really enjoyed that, his, what he did on that. It's weird seeing him doing that after, you know, The Shining. Or maybe it was before? Same time? Hmm. Yeah, maybe around the same time. Yeah. But you can definitely tell someone skilled was... There's like It's weird seeing a, a movie like that with Alcott cinematography, but... I don't know. Yeah, now the Beastmaster, I think it is streaming on Prime, but it is not the Vinegar Syndrome <laughs> transfer. It's a bad, it's like a VHS. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not a great transfer, mm. but the Vinegar Syndrome 4K, I mean, it, it looks really, really good. And then I also watched a spaghetti western called And God Said to Cain, <laughs> and it's directed by Antonio Margariti, and it stars uh, Klaus Kinski. And it's it's a I thought it was really fun. It's a pretty simple revenge story, but one thing I really liked about it is there's a lot of westerns and I guess action movies in general where kind of the climax is like one character versus a bunch of characters, like in the last you know ten or fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. Um, but in the, in this movie, the setup is like. 25 or 30 minutes and then the last hour is just kinski <laughs> taking out these probably 30 or 35 people <laughs> um, and there's some like yeah pauses yeah or not there's not lulls but it's not completely action-packed the whole time but um it was it's a pretty cool spaghetti western and it's streaming on the arrow channel he takes a break for hydration and then back to back to the battle <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to slaughtering. That's all I got for recent watches, so I guess we'll dive into the uh, into the reviews. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, so first we're going to talk about uh, Canal. Uh, this is, uh, we did decide on uh, uh, Vajdas, right? Vajdas. I, so I, in, while we were doing this, I did see that there's um, Andre Veda. Oh, Veda? Right oh. Out loud. Vida, Andre Vida, Vida. I I like I like the sound of Vida. According right. to according to Google, Andre Vida. Nice. I like that. All right. So Andre Vida's canal. And and luckily, now I think we've said his name enough to where we don't have to anymore. <laughs> Titan. <laughs> this is his second movie in a trilogy of war movies that he made starting with A Generation and uh, concluding with Ashes and Diamonds, which I want to see both those movies, but I actually I haven't seen either one of those yet. I love Ashes and Diamonds. That's the only... Wait, how do we say his name? V- Vida? Vida. film I've seen, but I really loved it. It was great. So it was nice to see that this was also part of a trilogy that I'm watching apparently in reverse order. But <laughs> yeah. hey, listen. No, I, I, definitely, I definitely want to check these other two movies out. Uh, and the script was written by someone who actually survived like in the sewers as a soldier. Oof. Should I, should I go for his name? Is it Jersey Stefan? I'm going to say Stavinsky. 
It, it looks like, yeah, yeah. I feel pretty good about that. Jersey yeah. Stefan Stavinsky. Okay. Um, and, uh, and the sewer is, you know, that's where the majority of this movie takes place. And it's, you stated in the opening narration, it's you know, where we see the last hours of, of these characters' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know we're in for a grim ride from the opening narration. Did, uh, did you guys enjoy this movie? What, what did you think, Max? Yeah, I mean, again, like, uh, for me, this is just a, a, a personal flaw, but... When I'm watching English English language films, I'll find myself getting distracted, um, either mostly on my phone. But with a foreign language film, I I know going into it, like I need to pay attention, and I need to watch it. I need to I need to read the subtitles and understand what's going on. Um, I, I I went into this pretty blind and just kind of turned it on, not knowing kind of what to expect and what the story was going to be. Uh, which is which is rare, and I think that that contributed. Um, enjoyment isn't the word. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is not this is not a movie that you enjoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's a movie that you forget is a movie, um, and I think that that's more difficult to do than we give actors and directors credit for. Um, where, you know, again, you're, you're, you're getting so engrossed into what you're watching. You, you take a step back and you, you have to remember that like, I mean, yes, this is uh, like Hunter, you mentioned, like this is coming from, um, someone who lived through this and, and it's coming through his stories, but ultimately these are performances. Um, and I was impressed by the, um, Imp- I, I, again, I, that's, that's what's so hard. Like, impressed is the wrong word, but just like capturing the hopelessness of the situation um, and and people's responses to it uh, over you know over the course of, uh, of of this movie. So, I again, we'll, we'll have to find a different word for enjoyed. But I I appreciate I, I appreciated the watch um, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's it's firmly firmly in the top three thousand for sure, and you know could see it scratching you know even further up. But yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to start that one off, but um, I know that I like the watch. Excellent, excellent. And John, what did you think? I wrote the word bleak three times in my notes. Once <laughs> um, I wrote bleak because you know from the beginning that they're all gonna die. Then I wrote bleak in all caps for some reason. And then I wrote bleak of the week, which is your new segment, Hunter. You supply one bleak film per week because that is your jam. And this fits right in there. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. What notes do I have? It does. I I like what Max said about it. How do I say? Like, it feels almost like more of a documentary or found footage. It feels real. It doesn't feel like a film. A lot of it, especially these parts in the, uh, in the sewer. It's just mm-hmm. so desperate and it's just really, really rough. Cause it's like, just no hope for these people to survive. Especially, you know, you know what, you know, at the beginning, but it's just, they're up against such insurmountable odds. Like everything's going against them. Um, uh, what else? I, 
There's um, I really like the composer character. Um, once he starts losing it um, in the sewers and like he's playing, he like comes up with that song that he plays on the ocarina. Mm-hmm. That just makes things so much more. It's like they're almost ghosts already, and they're still alive. Um, the scene at the end with the with the grenades. That's some great. There's like some really good tension there. Um, mm-hmm. I love when you know kind of what's going to happen, but you're still stressed out by it, or like the tension's still able to be built, even when you kind of know the result. I had never seen those little uh, weird mini tank things, the Goliath, when they're still outside yeah. the sewer. Mm-hmm. I had never. I've watched a lot of World War II stuff. I've never seen something like that, and that was interesting to me. Yeah, um, I my I have a note. It's uh, what an adorable little tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is i mean obviously uh has a terrible purpose but it is cute <laughs> um there's some great cinematography um some close-ups of the different people in the sewers just it's like some really nice tight shots that really get you just in the mindset of what these people might be going through i mean we can't ever relate truly but it just gets you more in that anguished tone. That's it's just it's so it's so rough. But I mean, I appreciate this film too, and I you know I'm giving it a good rating. But it is you know it might be tough to rewatch. I also like I think I think the composer of this as well. He's comparing what they're going through to I think Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. like one of the levels of hell. Is like very similar to what they're actually experiencing, like a living hell. I don't know. I like that allegory. Uh, I, I just think it's such an interesting choice to tell a, tell us right away that these are the last hours of these people's lives. You know, it just makes mm-hmm. every conversation they have or every moment, you know, like this is like this is all they have left, and it makes it makes things more significant knowing that this is it for them. It's interesting to not have hope for the characters. A lot of times that's a, that's a big thing that keeps you going in a film is maybe they're in a dire circumstance, but they have hope of surviving. And here we don't have that. Uh, it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely dark and bleak, but I'm okay with that. I am curious to see what happens with this director after this trilogy. I know like the first film is supposed to be like more, uh, a lot of communist propaganda in it. So it might mm. not be as enjoyable as these two. As the, the Ashes and Diamonds is great. I would definitely recommend that. But this was a good pick. I really I really enjoyed it. It's nice when something bleak is still enjoyable. To, well, not enjoyable, but like, I'm glad I watched it. I got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Nice. Bleak. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very bleak. Yeah, and I'm sure this won't come as a, a surprise, but... Um... I love this movie. I mean, obviously, I chose this as a, you know, a, one of my best first time watches of the year. Yeah, I do really like at the start that they just tell you that, you know, this is the last day of their lives, and to me, it just makes the experience more tense because you know that it's coming, but obviously, you don't know how or you know when it's going to happen. And I I love the direction. I mean, there's a long tracking shot early on in the movie where you know, you're hearing machine gun fire and there's tons of debris and 
it's really impressive. I'm I kind of you know when you see the terrain or like the location where they're where they're shooting, it's hard to imagine that there that there's a dolly track there, <laughs> and there's like a yeah yeah a camera yeah. operator and you know somebody pushing the the dolly. Yeah, I feel like that this is a level of like a level of filmmaking that you don't see at all in American productions at the time. I mean, I can't think of a Hollywood movie that has like this level of realism in, you know, like in a war movie, mm. especially right. from that era. Much more studio stuff where you know it's, you can just tell it's in a studio kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that takes things, that takes me out of it sometimes too. Like you see like they're supposed to be like in a jungle or a forest or something and like there's no way. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> a jungle. And almost yeah. immediately after the tracking shot, there's a a scene where a soldier's having a conversation with a wounded woman and she says that it's nothing serious. And then when the her the stretcher she that she's laying down on is lifted up, you see that she's missing a leg. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, the first time I watched it, I I was pretty shocked for, you know, a 1957 movie to have something like that. Like that. I thought it was a pretty a pretty effective moment. I think I did an audible whoa at that. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, I did not see that coming at all. There's other movies like this that give me kind of the, a similar feeling, like The Ascent, um, which is a Russian movie. And and come and see is a more kind of heightened version of this, but Whew, I'm see. always amazed. Oof. I'm always amazed at how committed the actors are to this type of production, because it, it seems like just a terrible movie to shoot. Like mm. there's nothing glamorous about this. Everything, you know, oh, these actors are put through so many things that seem, you know, uncomfortable, and they're constantly you know, dirty and I can't imagine these actors are getting paid very much for this. Like this is probably a pretty low budget movie. Mm. Yeah. I mean, their commitment is what makes it such a great experience to watch it because it, you know, adds so much realism, but yeah, I just can't, (laughs) I can't imagine that it's worth it. (laughs) I'm sure the water was freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't imagine. I, I. I have to wonder, like, how much of it is like more of like a, a cathartic experience, similar to like I. I was watching something about like a lot of like American horror um, writers or uh, makeup artists served um, in the military, and so you know, creating the props and and writing horror stories was a form of catharsis for them, you know, to, <laughs> to kind of navigate through what they, you know, the actual horror that they had seen, um, in, in actual war. And so I, you know, I, I with, cause some these actors, you know, they, you know, they were born in the thirties, um, if not later. So they, I feel like they certainly would have been, you know, exposed obviously to, um, world war two and, and, and these events. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested of like, how much like almost like reenacting this stuff i say stuff it's obviously heavier than that but <laughs> you know just some stuff but i, I yeah, don't it's know it's only like yeah. 12 12 years after you know and like i'm sure right like a lot of a lot of those ruins are still there from you know that period and 
there were probably kids when it was happening, which could be even more traumatic. Mm-hmm. I could see it being cathartic for sure. Or just like, I, yeah. Telling these people's story that may never have been told otherwise, because, you know, if none of them survived, I mean, obviously I guess this one guy who wrote it did survive. Right. I don't know if he survived. I don't know if he's, if this is based on the incident that he survived or he survived in the sewers at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. And another thing, and this kind of, it goes with something you were saying, Max, but I, I really love scenes with tons of extras, like all in one location that doesn't feel choreographed or directed at all. Like the, mm. the scenes with lots of extras feel so authentic to me in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and imagining like being a director and being in charge of that and getting so many people to, you know, act this way, like this authentically, I think is impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And now one question I have is, did the water rise in the sewer because of a grenade explosion? Do you remember the water rising in the sewer? I do. Yeah. yeah. Like a wave came in, but I don't know if it really told us much of, as to I thought it was an explosion. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It must've been, but, um, the sewer or like the canal in general is such an amazing location. I mean, it's so claustrophobic and, you know, obviously it's, it's filthy. Like when the characters are down there and, you know, they start losing it. Like the, the composer, like, you know, his madness, like portraying that can be, it's not always successful, but here I, I thought it was pretty convincing. Mm -hmm. His eyes, just his eyes. He is like, if they were casting this based on eyes alone, he just has perfect, madness i've lost all hope eyes like they're just so like mm-hmm. captivating and like his whole face can be like covered with filth but you the eyes still come through and like they just they're so forlorn yeah it's very really um just captivating looking at him just like seeing him struggle and especially after you you know the way he goes into the sewers after talking to his wife for a moment and then their building being taken by the Germans. Yeah. It's just, he's mm-hmm. just in a bad place. And he, he definitely, he does a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. And one scene that I think is, uh, is pretty affecting is when the young woman who's in love with that soldier, like when she finds out that he has a, uh, a wife mm-hmm. and she commits oh, suicide. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I mean, that it's was, rough. uh, she's so, she's like the most, well, I mean, I guess several characters are pretty likable, but she's like the most, she seems like the sweetest or most innocent character in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and her, her suicide is, is, is pretty tough. She's like, um, turn off the light for a second. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. I can't believe that the, the, one of the main actresses or actors, the blonde, was not in more movies. She's like such a screen presence. Yeah. And I mean, she's in some movies. I don't think she's in very many that are, that have a lot of acclaim or were very kind of renowned, but I know she is in some other things. Okay. Um, oh, well, she's not in much. She's in six movies. <laughs> yeah. And like a couple of those like, are like not even 
there's like zero watches on Letterboxd. So like they're like either no one's ever seen them or <laughs> huh. you know, yeah. maybe never never got weird. The yeah. composer, he was in a couple Sean Connery Bond movies, it looks like. So there was some crossover here. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's in from Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. Oh, inter- oh okay. Yeah. So there was some some carryover, but yeah, I yeah, her performance though, the the the, the blonde lead, um, was was great, and you know just yeah. super captivating, and I I think again that, that whole, just leading this um, soldier who's slowly dying, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it is interesting how it didn't translate to, you know to to more for her. Yeah, I now the first time I watched the movie. I did feel like it was starting to run out of steam towards the end, but this time I, I didn't have that feeling at all. It felt kind of more grueling and and I, I you know, I, I didn't feel that way anymore. And I do think the ending, like the commanding officer going like back down into the canal mm-hmm. to kind of like die with his other soldiers, I think is kind of a powerful ending. Yeah, that was a good ending. Yeah. Just another bleak aspect of a bleak experience (laughs) (laughs) yep i guess i'm going back in (laughs) oh man but i do love it it was a really great rewatch i actually now of course we'll talk about this when we start talking about sword of doom but i rewatched this canal you know earlier in the year i don't remember exactly when i first watched it and i wished that I had selected something else instead of Sword of Doom because I rewatched it so recently. Like I watched uh, it. Well, I watched it for the first time in September, mm-hmm. and I kind of wish I had had some more time before rewatching it. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So I watched Canal in April. But yeah, overall, yeah, I I loved uh, Canal. I, I I think it's awesome. Should we rate this motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> kind of your new segment <laughs> yeah i think it is when there's a lull i think it's time to say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah john what would you give it i give it a four out of five and it's in my top 1000 nice. nice and max i i went 4.5 oh um, nice yeah i i was impressed and it is it is in my top 1000 Tremendous. Well, this was a 4.5. Not anymore. I'm going 5. Oh, Whoa. shit. It's in my top, it's in my top 3,000 for sure. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I'll rewatch it again as soon as I'm ready, which uh, could be about 16 years, I'm thinking. Like wow. Uh, a movie a day, a top 3,000 would take... Almost nine years. Yikes. Oh. That's not too bad. <laughs> I was Good cool. retirement activity, I guess. Yeah. Take your vitamins, watch your movies. All right, well, moving on to another lighthearted fair. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, this is um, Akimoto's uh, The Sword of Doom. And uh, he directed... Uh, quite a few samurai movies and he made you know some action movies as well 
and the lead actor in this, his name is uh, Tatsuya N- Nakedai, I believe, or Nakedai. I'm going to say N- Nakedai. I think it's Nakadai. Nakadai. There we go. That's better. Does that sound good? Tatsuya Nakadai. <laughs> I tell you what, I I'm going to start choosing like John Ford movies, <laughs> like starring John Wayne. John, John Ford. Wayne. Yeah. I mean, these um, some it's of tough. these names are just. They're just not easy for me, and, I, and I'm terrible at, at uh, trying to guess at the pronunciations. But, um, I mean, he's in so many huge like Japanese movies from this era. He was in a, he has 140 uh, credits, and he's in some of Kurosawa's best movies. He's in High and Low, Seven Samurai, and Yojimbo. And he's in other notable movies, too. Like uh, Now, is it Quaidon or Quaidon? Quaidon. Is that how you say? Is it Quaidon? Quaidon sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Quaidon. Well, he, he's so he's in Quaidon and he's in uh, the face of another. Um, and I think he I think he's amazing in this movie. I I, I love his performance. And then the the composer uh, for this movie he scored a lot of Kurosawa movies as well. And I I, I think the score is pretty great. <laughs> and uh, you'll notice that I I didn't say the uh, composer's name. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. Um, Hold on, let me try this. I I, oh, oh, Masuru Sato. Oh, that's easier than I thought. Why didn't I include his name? <laughs> I don't know. It made it made it in there. We got there. Yeah, thank you, John. I, I might just start. I might just start saying stuff like the composer scored a lot. His name was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll spell and then it you in. just chime in. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um. Okay, now I'm going to try this. It was written by Shinobu Hashimoto. How's that? That sounds good. Pretty good. Oh, thank you very much. I concur. Um, yeah, and, and he wrote uh, Seven Samurai, Harakuri, and he also wrote the uh, the overrated Rashomon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to get that in there. But um, so yeah, a lot of important people, you know, argu- arguably from the best era of. Japanese filmmaking worked on this movie. Um, and John, what did you think of it? I liked it a lot. Um, uh, like you said, Tatsuya Nakarai, he is great. He has this like look in his eyes throughout the film. He just looks unstable mm-hmm. and it's very compelling. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, I love his, um, his technique his fighting, sparring, fencing technique where he just like draws the other opponent in and then and then takes advantage. It's very interesting. Um, it's very uh, mythical almost in its execution. It just feels like he's not totally human, you know? It's like, I mean, I guess in this case, he's a bad guy, so evil, but there's just something, there's like an aura to him that's, compelling to watch i love the hat that he wears it's like very interesting like it could be like someone could see it and be like that's silly but i think it's like it adds to his mystique like Mm -hmm. that whatever it's called it's like it just makes him like even more mystical a lot of the scenes that are in snow or the mist like the director and cinematographer they take like these natural elements and just make these really beautiful um set pieces that are just even more interesting just like seeing some battling in those conditions just looks like art 
<laughs> some uh, there's a part early on where um, uh, Nakadai he uh, he deflowers the um, sister of mm-hmm. the person who's gonna fight, and then they they keep showing the mill imagery of like you know it's like it's kind of like a train going through a tunnel, but something different. But it's like they keep sh- it's a very um, what it's not subtle. It's not. Su- it is extremely <laughs> yeah. not subtle. Uh, yeah. One thing I I think happens to me a lot is like this movie is actually pretty bloody, and with the black and white, I always feel like it's older than it actually is. It was mid sixties, right? So yeah, sixty six. I guess it's more common at that point, but still, still seeing a lot of blood in black and white is jarring to me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. Like it's, it almost has more of an effect than it does in color sometimes because you're just not expecting it. The ending is wild. The last, oh, I guess, yeah. 15 minutes is wild. Both the, the when he starts losing his mind and he's haunted by these ghosts of the people he's killed and then the actual fighting, both really, really cool. And I love the point, I think it's like right before the final act where he sees, um, here's another name, Mifune. Oh yeah, Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, when he sees his skill and starts doubting his own, mm-hmm. his own skill because he sees, oh, someone else can be like me at this this like, you know, incredible fighter. Maybe I'm not the only one who is mm-hmm. you know, at this level. That was a great scene too. Just like seeing someone on the other side of things who doesn't want to kill people but still having that same skill and execution. That's just a beautiful, the, the way that was shot was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the young girl. She's super likable. Like the um, the girl in the beginning whose grandfather gets killed. Omatsu. Yeah, she's like very likable. She's very, very pure. It's interesting. We don't really get to see what happens with her at the end. The end is so like abrupt. It's kind of like you're talking and then like your your phone dies. It's just like, right in the middle of something it's not there's not a real it's not um like something subtle where you're not really sure what happened it's kind of like mid mid scene mm-hmm. snap you're gone but i liked her character i like the character of the uncle who's like he's a thief i guess but he has like kind of a good heart um and he's kind of looking out for her as much as he can it's a really fun i mean i love this era as well I think I stayed away from a lot of these films for a long time because I'm not a huge period piece person, but they're so good. I don't know. There's just so much subtlety and so much drama within this samurai, just the samurai genre. Like you can do a lot because, like, you know, there's a lot of similarities to all of the films, but there's a lot of differences too. Um, this one's definitely more bloody and maybe more violent than, some of the other ones I've seen, like the Kurosawa ones. But yeah, it was really interesting and a little bit more wild than the ones I've seen before. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. Another good pick, Hunter. Like, this makes sense. These are your two top discoveries of the year. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and Max, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed this. I, I think, again... I like um, one of what stood out to me was like almost like the, like the title cards, but they were all like titled something like something incident, 
Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like that was really interesting. You know the the bridge incident and the I don't the pass incident. I don't I don't remember what the actual names were, but well, I think it's in reference because this was based off of like a serialized story from like oh, the really? early 1900s. So I think it's based on. I think that those incidents are based off of like that early serial. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And so yeah, but that you know, not that the story necessarily necessarily needed those, um, but just like stylistically, I think that was a good choice. Um, but yeah, I I agree with John of yeah that actor in that role, um, just very compelling. Yeah, you're you're just not sure of like what is this guy going to do. Um, and I think even, you know, even that opening scene, uh, where he's talking to the, cause she, she presents himself or presents, presents herself as the sister. And then you find out that it, it's the wife of this, um, other samurai that he's you know scheduled to duel. Um, and he says like, you know, the mastery of you know, his, his skill with his sword is is worth as much as as her, well, not celibacy, but chastity. Chastity. Yeah. Right, and it's like you know, if you're asking me to sacrifice my swordsmanship, you know, what would you do? You know, would you sacrifice your chastity? And you know, sets this whole thing in motion of like, okay, like, not if you'll sleep with me, but you know, that's not what happens there's this understanding of like, okay, like now I've done this. Um, I've, 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 you know, slept with you. Now I'm going to let your husband win. And then that, you know, but, but the, you know, that husband, you know, he finds out and that whole scene was just so, so great in terms of the suspense and the tension. And I think, I think sets up the movie well of this person truly has no morals but also, like, I don't know, because he's not, it's weird because, he, because he's not, like, there, there's no specific purpose, you know what I mean? Like, he isn't on a, he's not on a mission, he's not on um, some sort of quest, he's just kind of existing as this force, which doesn't seem like it would be that, you know, that compelling, but I, I, I guess, this, again, a credit to his performance, where... Uh, just you know, was just was just entertaining to watch. I think that I, how the other characters come into play throughout the film, you know, is it, definitely entertaining. You know, obviously you know, the, the 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 true opening of the film. I think I took a note of uh, be careful what you pray for. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> praying, you know, hey, please, please let me die here. So that you know, my granddaughter will be burdened by me, and then, you know, here's this mysterious stranger that will just strike you down with a samurai sword. Do you guys think he heard him say that, or they just killed him because he's just a killer? I think he did because it was like right afterwards. It, it kind of panned up, and he was standing there. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but why else yeah, would he I kill him? I thought that he heard him, but okay. I I also don't know if it's com- if that's completely clear though. Hmm. Yeah, and like, is that it's a it's it's definitely a weird, it's the it's like the most hard to read of all the his killings because, I mean, the guy is praying for it, so it almost in a way, it's weirdly 
that's not kind. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not it's like, like it's like a mercy kill. Yeah, but it doesn't fit his character the rest of the way. I don't know. Hmm. But I guess you could see that like like a, a socially maladjusted, you know, person who who just hears this of please take my life, and thinking oh I can do that. Yeah, it takes it ex- extremely literally where it may not have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also interesting that he he does ask the like the grandfather to like face the West, you know, so like he, he's not like somebody that he can look him in the eye and, and kill him. Like he slashes him in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Huh? I feel like that other guy, the other person <laughs> was going to get it too. If he didn't run away, <laughs> he like hits. Oh, the like that. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that the uncle or no? Oh, um, it was, I think so, because he's the guy who kind of like finds the girl, right? Yeah, yeah. It comes up later, yeah. Because it's not really her uncle. It's just, it's just kind of like that kind of figure to her. Yeah. After the fact, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he found her. I think he mentions that, like he found her at the pass, and she had no parents, and her and her grandfather had been killed. Yeah. I think he mentions that later on. He does, yeah. And I wish I and, I and I like that too. I like how the story kept moving uh, with these you know inter- introductions and and how they're all tied together. So, John, to your point of like the blood and all that. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty bloody movie, and I think uh, you know a lot of that's hidden because it isn't black and white. But um, there was the one scene with uh, Shimada or the I think that's his name. Yeah, Sh- Shimada the other kind of master that they sabotage yeah. or try to, I know it's a mistake, but you know, he, that he, you know, he, he kills that whole group and the hand that just goes flying. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that was a, that was an interesting scene, but no, this was a, this was a, this was a, a good one. And obviously, I mean, I, I, I love this movie as well. I, like I said, I, I do regret that I watched it so soon after seeing it for the first time. I mean, the first time I watched this, I, I knew immediately it was in my top 3,000. <laughs> and so I didn't have quite the same experience. And, and I, I think that the next time I watch it, you know, 16 years from now, I'll have a better experience. 2037, absolutely. It's going to feel like a brand new film to you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I you know, I, I could easily watch this in a, in a few years. I'm almost positive I'll watch it in 16. True. No, I, I, still, I still loved it. I, I did wish that there was... I kind of wish the entire movie was from... Ry, now, his character's name is Ryu. Can you say his last name again? The, the actor's last name again? Is it Nakadai? Is that what it is? Uh, Nakadai. Nakadai, okay. Um, I wish the, kind of the entire movie was from his point of view. I don't love the scenes with the uncle and the young girl. I like that the young girl comes back you know, into the story at the end, and that's kind of what makes Ryu go completely insane is when she finds out that when he finds out that he you know killed her grandfather. Yeah, but I wasn't sure that the scenes with the uncle were really necessary. But, yeah, I think the opening, I mean, we've already talked about it, but I, I did think that it's pretty great. I mean, that the answer <laughs> to this guy's prayer is 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's answered with this cruel, you know, violent samurai who just kills him instantly. And then, uh, now, a, a lot of my notes we've already kind of touched on. I mean, the unsettled imagery, John. We, talk, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. And then the scene after the match where the people are trying to avenge the, his opponent's death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is amazing. It, and it's a, kind of a like the tracking shot in Canal. I mean, it's a long tracking shot where you're seeing him just slaughter these people. And it's used for a very different effect, of course, than Canal. Like, it, this is like a way more stylish use of the tracking shot. And I just love the the atmosphere of the scene. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing scene. And I, do, I agree. I think it's pretty violent for 66. I mean, in Japan, and even in other, some other countries, you know, movies had started to become more violent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, actually, did Bonnie and Clyde come out in 66 or is it 67? Because that's a pretty bloody American movie. Oh, 67. Yeah. And that was, I mean, and, and fairly criticized for that um, reason, at least here in America. So we weren't quite ready for that in 67. But yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, it is interesting how that, that looking at things that, you know, outside of, you know, just the U.S. and what they were uh, putting in their films is, is certainly, I think, worth a, a longer conversation. Yeah, because even Hammer horror movies from the late 50s can be pretty bloody. I mean, there's some, uh, a scene in Horror of Dracula where, maybe it's Peter Cushing's character, I can't remember, but they drive a stake into a vampire's heart and quite a bit of blood, like, gushes out of the woman's chest. Like, well, I love, I mean, the, the, perfor- the lead performance is mesmerizing to me. I actually kind of thought, now, of course, this movie came out you know, decades later, but it reminded me a little bit of Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Who's this kind of just, yeah? You know, he's kind of a like a human monster who can just kill, and and of course, actually, it, it is affecting Ryu. Whereas, like with Chigurh, he's kind of I don't think killing people affects him at all. Um, but even like how expressionless he can be, sometimes kind of reminded me of that. I don't know if this would be an influence for the the Cohen brothers, but may, maybe it could be. Yeah, it's kind of like a samurai sociopath in a way. Yeah. Could be a could be a cautionary tale on why to get a good haircut, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Speaking of haircuts, the baby his hair is amazing. I mean, what's what's shaved and what's kept on the head on yeah. the scalp? It's a, a it's an amazing choice. I, I I love that that kid's hair. I'm a little relieved this isn't one of the films that's in the in the era where the women blacken their teeth. Oh yeah, that is mm. jarring for sure. Yeah, it is. Or, or, or no eyebrows too. That's another thing. And yeah, the older ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hair, the hair is interesting. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, scenes between Ryu and Hama, who is the the woman who was married to the opponent that he, I guess, like you know, accidentally killed in that. Uh, duel kind of early on or that you know match yeah their scenes together are some of the darkest in the movie and, and it's also it, it, there's some of the scenes where early on you 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 see hints of ryu's kind of insanity like he'll have like this kind of half smile that you know just makes him look 
crazy where he's yeah mostly expressionless around you know most of the other characters in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah oh and he does kind of have a half smile on his face after he kills the people who are trying to offend you know avenge that uh his opponent's death the the final scene together between ryu and hama is very intense where she tries to kill him i I think in his sleep Mm -hmm. yeah and then he you know chases her out into the snow and she and he asks like if if she's trying to kill him so that he won't kill her, you know, ex-husband's or previous husband's brother. And she says, no, she's just trying to kill him because she hates him. And then, you know, he stabs her in the heart with his sword and, you know, the baby's, you know, their child is crying and I'm sure he just leaves the child. I don't know. Which movie is bleaker? Well, earlier she tries to kill the child too, right? Right. Yeah, she does. And he, and he stops her. He stops her from killing the child, but then he tells her that she can live or die it, you know, he doesn't if she care. wants to or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. I still think Canal Canal is bleaker. Yeah, Canal's pretty bleak. I think the just the real world component of Canal gives it yeah. gives it that prize. You know, and this film actually has people that survive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and you know, in a way a lot of people that a lot of the people that die in this film are, you know, looking for the fight that's not it's not like they're all innocent people you know what i'm saying like they're ambushing like they're you know Mm -hmm. it's not just it's just not as torturous as the canal deaths you know i mean the wife the wife is really that is some of the she's great by the way i think she does she does a great job it's just their interactions are very interesting and very very dark Mm -hmm. and just culturally like her choices are so limited as it is and like, if he leaves her, then she has almost nowhere to go. It's just so such a rough situation to be in. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's sort of tragic that, you know, I mean, he kills her husband, but she, since she's slept with him, she feels like she has to go away with him. I mean, did you feel like that was the reason she wanted him to take her with him? I feel like there's something culturally where once you're a widow, I, I, I don't know. I think there's some cultural stuff from back then that we don't even fully understand or. Yeah. Like maybe it have been her only option is to go with him. Like it's her best option, mm-hmm. you know? Right. She understands that of, even though I hate this person, he's my key to surviving. Yeah, exactly. Oof, that's rough. Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough stuff it's grim it's grim (laughs) yes yeah it's very grim but um yeah and i love the climax i mean it's amazing i love the way it's shot the performance i mean everything about it is awesome and so yeah i i still really enjoyed it Uh, it it is possible that i just wasn't in the mood uh for the movie i I was actually okay so i wanted to watch the Beastmaster (laughs) the morning that i watched this but sometimes my mornings can be unpredictable, and I wanted to get this in. It's actually a good thing I watched it yesterday because my youngest daughter did wake up at 4.40 this morning. Mm. And so I, I did finish The Beastmaster, but it was like on my lunch break. But yeah, if I couldn't have finished The uh, Sword of Doom before today, this, this, it would have been no good. But yeah, I wasn't really in the mood. I still did enjoy it. I mean, the moments that, like the highlights 
you know, are, 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 I still thought were amazing moments. It just didn't hit me quite as hard as it did the first time. It's understandable. It's a quick turnaround. Right. You just, you can't, the element of surprise gets lost, you know, you know or like, just like, it's just tough, you know, like the, the movie has no secrets. You've seen it so, so recently, you're not going to forget a lot of it. It's just not going to be as impactful things that happen that quickly watching it again that's the limitations of re-watching or doing a best of for the year you know you could have watched it a week ago and it could have been one of your best you know if you watched it in, both in january could have been a much different situation yeah for sure mm-hmm. but i'm glad that we got to watch it based on your recommendations because i know i really enjoyed it yeah well um let's rate the motherfucker right <laughs> yes <laughs> Yep, that's a thing now. <laughs> All right, let's start with. Uh, oh, I don't care who we start with. Just go, one of you. Uh, I'll go. I'll rate this motherfucker uh, 4.25 out of 5, and it's in my top 500. Whoa. Yeah, it was. Yeah, John, uh, what about. Uh, well, that was John. <laughs> that, was, Max, yeah. that was me. John can reiterate and just give that you know another four point two five. No, I um again as I mentioned I I had a good time with this and could see it going up on a rewatch, but I went with four point five. Yeah, my my Strong. picks are not gonna my picks are not gonna get this high of reviews. I feel I already feel <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm so glad we all enjoyed it. Hunter, what did your rating go down? Well. I'm going to put it down to a 4.5, but I, I am going to say that this rating, I'm almost tempted to not give it a star rating. I, I'm going to, just because it's just the right thing to do. We should probably wrap. Uh... All right, well, let's let's do the stand pick of the week. Uh, Max, I, I, I know you've had one ready for, for months now. Mm, there's always one ready. Um, no, the, the stand pick of the week is... We're going to go with Frank Capra's Meet John Doe. Um, 122 minutes, so a little bit more of a commitment, but um, again, just captures kind of the the media and politics. Um, again, I think Frank Capra is always a little bit ahead of his time when you watch uh, most of his movies, and it's got, you know, obviously Gary Cooper, Barbara Stanwyck, um, so great cast and it is streaming everywhere you could possibly want it to stream prime <laughs> criterion, uh, canopy and a couple more. So no excuses to, to miss all that, miss all out on that one. Oh, is that Gary Cooper also? Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It's a, it's a solid watch. Nice. Meet John yeah, Doe. Yeah, John, do you have a free free stream? I do. I'm trying to remember if I've seen Meet John Doe. I feel like I have. That could. But I need to. I I need to know. <laughs> uh, you have. You gave it. You gave it a three and a half stars. Oh yeah, where well, they're on the rooftop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I did like that. Um, something happened where it dropped down from a four to a three and a half, but. Yeah, it, I, 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 I say second the. Yeah, I think it should be watched. <laughs> I'm not sure why it got down to a three and a half, you know, offhand, but 
um, I did enjoy it overall. And I'm, I'm starting to really appreciate Frank Capra movies. I haven't, I hadn't seen a lot until the last year or two. And, um, you thought they were like too feel goody. Mm. There's still some, there's some darkness in there. And, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I do have a free one. It is from 2000. Shoot. I had this and I looked up. Let me to, oh, 2017 directed by, Oh boy, this name. Um, Joachim Trier, Thelma. It's really good. It's um, I guess it's kind of a what do we call it horror. They're calling it drama mystery thriller. Um, really some cool imagery. Um, I don't. It's one of those films that I kind of went into blind and really appreciated. Um, definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a pretty dark. I'm surprised horror isn't one of the genres, but it's really interesting. The, the synopsis is a college student starts to experience extreme seizures. She soon learns that the violent episodes are a symptom of inexplicable abilities. Uh, it's good. It's very interesting. I've recommended this to a bunch of people, and they've all seemed to come back with good responses. So it's on a bunch of stuff, just like Max's was on Criterion, Hulu, Canopy, Tubi. So... If you don't want to spend any money on any streaming services and you're out of email addresses to get free trials, check out Thelma on TV. Yeah, that's been on my watch list for forever. I just I still haven't seen it. I think you'd like it, Hunter. I think it's up your alley. Yeah, I think I'd like it too. All right, and John, uh, give us a, uh, a preview for next week's episode. Oh, man, I had the freaking social up. All right, next week. Oh, well, do, do that first right. if you want to. No, we got to do the, the preview first. It makes sense. Okay. You can always cut this out. So my two picks for next week are from 1953, Little Fugitive, directed by three people, which is really a red flag, but not in this case. Yeah. Ray Ashley, Morris Engel, and Ruth Orkin. Um, after a prank makes Joey Norton believe he killed his older brother, he runs away from home and spends a day at Coney Island while his brother tries to find him before their mother gets home. This movie's pretty cute, but it's really good. I uh, hope you guys like it. And it is a pristine 80... I think it's 80 minutes. Mm, perfect. Pretty, oh, I like that. Yeah, so even if you don't like it... Yeah, it's 80 minutes. Um, I don't know. I like I like New York City in the 50s. It almost feels a little bit like a documentary style. It's really good. I just really, I just really had fun. I just like felt like I was there with this kid. Um, it's just, it's a lot of like non-actors in it. Um, just really had a good time with it. Kind of just stumbled upon it at some point. I mean, some of the acting's not great because it's kids, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's one of, uh, isn't it one of Truffaut's favorite movies? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, I don't think I've seen it, but maybe I maybe I have. Gosh, I hope you don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other we'll, we'll we'll see. My other I'll try not to. My other pick is another hard one that's hard to pronounce uh, from 1934. Oh. La 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 Atalante. La, la Atalante. What do you think, Hunter? 
Ooh, I mean, <laughs> we got to ask Max. You're asking the wrong guy. I can't. I can't do this for some reason. You know what? I'm gonna do pronunciation. I'm gonna look it up. Let's see what they say. Because I couldn't find any any Latalant. Latalant. Yeah, Latalant. Latalant. My um, friend of mine picked this for me to watch because I thought I would like it, and I loved it. It has one of my. There's a character in this. You'll, I mean, Hunter, you've seen it, but there's a character in this who is so interesting, and funny, and weird, and just even the way he talks is weird. Everything about him is weird. It's great. He's just hilarious. Um, this movie's way ahead of its time. Um, it wound up being the only real feature that this director did. He died from, I think, tuberculosis shortly after, and from like some of the scenes shot in this film kind of added to his illness but for the time it's, there's this film does a lot that it shouldn't be able to do with the budget and the time period um so it really really impressed me La Antalanta, i forget what you said by jean, jean vigo from 1934 it's on criterion and i hope you guys like it hunt hope you like rewatching it it's also under 90 minutes it's 89 minutes um, Incredible. At the time it came out, apparently it was really, really um, just like ripped to shreds by the um, studio and like came out in like a 50, 55 minute version. But they found um, a copy of it and were able to restore it. So we, now we get the full version of what the director was vision was at the time. So. Those are my picks for next week. Sweet. And our social media. We have, we're on Instagram at Instagram.com slash semi underscore cinematic. We're on Facebook at semi cinematic pod, all one word. And you can email us at semi cinematic at gmail semi cinematic pod at gmail.com. And we're also on Letterboxd. Uh, semi-cinematic is our username all right very good perfect i think that brings us to uh to the end (laughs) it's sad but true good picks hunter enjoyed them thank you thank you i'm actually i'm looking forward to some uh lighter stuff i think (laughs) i think it'll wash over me in a in a in a refreshing way. Yeah, I tried to balance it out a little bit. And then, Max, you can do whatever you want because it will be evened out by then. Oh, uh, can't wait. Do you have any ideas? You know, I, I've I've watched a lot of Deborah Carr this year for the first time. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. <laughs> Could be a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has to be at this point. After that, after that segue. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. We'll, we'll have some good ones. I've I've got some good watches, so it'll be fun. Okay, so we're we're uh, we're wrapping up here. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll do this again next week. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>